Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 113. Today is Tuesday, April 30th, and I am here in beautiful Brooklyn, New York. wanted to catch you up on a couple of things that some people from the Voyager family have been involved in. If you recall, episode 109, my guest was Jeremy Schultz, and he's walking from Brooklyn to California. Well, he started, folks, last Monday, right? Yeah, day after Easter, he started his journey. And I met him and his buddy Cody at the bridge, at the Broken Bridge, and we walked across the bridge. And then I went to get breakfast, and he continued on to New Jersey that day. You can follow him again. His name is Jeremy Schultz. Go listen to the episode that we recorded together, 109, but you can follow him on social media. And he does like uh, daily videos and, and question and answer sessions and things like that as he, as he walks across the country. I think right now he's still in Pennsylvania somewhere. So yeah, really cool. Uh, this past weekend, also Alima Leigh McFarlane, who's been on this podcast twice. Most recently, I have it here, episode 103. She is a mixed martial arts champion for Bellator. Well, she defended her title on Saturday. And she opened up a nasty, nasty cut on her opponent's forehead. It looked like Carrie, man. It was like raining down blood. It was oof, whew, gnarly. But yeah, she's amazing and a badass and inspiring. So yeah, congrats to you, Ali Malay, for your, what is it, third title defense now? Yeah, cool stuff. Also, today I got a zine in the mail and some stickers from Kit Whistler. She was on the last episode of the podcast, 112. If you recall, her and her partner, JR, they are van lifers and they travel in Sunshine, the Idle Theory bus. And so, yeah, that's a really cool zine with some words and pictures from their adventures. Also, I think I should shout out what episode number, episode 110, because Razan mentioned a bunch of artists that I should check out, right? And that you should check out. And one of those was the guest that I had on today. So my guest today is Maha Alasakar, and she is a visual artist based out of New York here. She's Kuwaiti-born. Um, she's a photographer. Her most recent project, which has sort of um, gotten a lot of attention now, is this book and uh, sort of like portrait series, and, and there's, there's, there's words in there too by um, Nada Faris, but it's called Women of Kuwait. And the idea behind the pictures is that she took photos of Kuwaiti women in their bedrooms. And it's a way to sort of um, shift stereotypes about Arab and Kuwaiti women. Uh, I'm probably not doing it as much justice as she does, but she goes in depth and, ta and talks about it. It's really beautiful. Like the, the package itself, the book is also really beautiful and really cool. I won't say it now, but again, she talks about it in this episode. So we talked about some past projects as well and sort of like what the future holds. We talked about Kuwait. It's really, really talented and inspiring. I love having these conversations with people who are doing really cool things, uh, way better than I could ever do them. Uh, yeah, inspires me. So uh, I implore you to go to the show notes for this episode so that you can find the links to the book and her website and some more information about her. She mentioned like sort of a panel discussion she's doing next week. So you should check out all of those things because yeah, she's fantastic. I wanted to mention something I have here in the notes from this episode that, you know, sometimes I fumble uh, 
the sequence of events or just I go on tangents and I'm like all over the place sometimes. It, it, it's hard for me sometimes to like get my thoughts out uh, coherently. So at one point I mentioned a couple of people, one of them being Latifa Al-Barak and the other one being Asil Al-Yakub. And I just wanted to distinguish uh, that Latifa was somebody who is an inspiration to um, Maha. And um, she was the one, well, you'll hear this in a bit, but sort of a pioneer in education in Kuwait. And then I followed that up with Asil, who was a subject uh, in the work that Maha was doing. So I didn't want to like make it seem like I lumped them into the same exact, exact category in terms of their relation to the life and work of my guest today. So yeah, there's some clarity for you there. All right, I think we're going to jump right into this episode. But wait, first, I want to mention that there's a Patreon that supports this podcast if you want to help out. So what you do is you go to patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter, and it's a subscription-based service where you can give, you know, 50 cents, $1, $5, $5,000 if you're trying to, like, give up, you know, your pension and your will and, you know, you know just saying... But you can give monthly, and that will go to keeping these episodes coming. It's first time in my life I have not been like fully employed, and it's weird and it's scary. And how do you get healthcare? I don't know. But that's not what I would use the Patreon for. It's for the expenses that go into the podcast, the travel, the editing, all that stuff, keeping the stickers coming. Uh, yeah. So, and then there's little like there's uh, some kickbacks and stuff like that if you're somebody who gives. So. Yeah, that's patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. I've rambled enough. Please enjoy this episode. This is episode number 113. Listen, first of all, thank you. It's really cool to meet you. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, you come highly recommended by your friend who <laughs> was on this podcast. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's how I heard of you. And then I checked you out and there's like all sorts of amazing stuff that I found. Uh, so I have lots of questions for you. And I want to say at the outset, this is something, I don't know if you were able to listen to the episode I did with Razan. Uh, not all of it. Okay. So something came up in that that maybe I'll just like say at the outset. And that's when I do these, so I've done them like all around the world at this point. Mm -hmm. I've done them with people who are quite different from me in terms of like the work that they do, their, their interests, like where they live, identity and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's something that came up with Razan because she talked a lot about identity and she gets labeled as like uh, an Arab artist, right? Or a mm -hmm. Kuwaiti artist. And she talked about how, well, like, eventually I want to just be an artist. Like, I want to be recognized for that. And so I'll sort of like preface this whole conversation with I'm going to talk a lot about identity because I think that your work deals with that a lot. But I also like try to balance out not like putting someone like in a zoo, if that makes sense, where <laughs> we're just like looking at them like, oh, that's something different from me. And that's why 
I'm interested in it. Like I'm interested in in, in learning about cultures, but I'm also uh, I try to be. Mm, I try not to put people in, in a cage, if that makes sense to you. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's also to say if any of these questions are ignorant, that's through like lack of knowledge and hopefully I will learn, <laughs> if that makes Trust sense. Trust me, I don't think, I mean, I, I, I met worse, so you'll be fine. Okay, <laughs> well, <laughs> hopefully you've met worse. Um, all right, cool. So with that said, uh, we won't say your age, but you just surprised me because I thought you were... Uh, much younger, which I mentioned I get as well. But um, where did you, you know, spend your your youth? Where did you grow up? Uh, I'm I'm I was born and raised in Kuwait. Okay. So I spent all my life there. Um, I traveled a lot, uh, like on my teen twenties, uh, with family for work for different things, and I moved here six years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So prior, and you moved to New York and were mostly in New York? Yes. Okay. Prior to coming to, to New York, um, so I'm assuming then like most of the work that I've seen has been while you were in New York. Prior to that, were you involved in the arts and photography? I was involved with photography, uh, but photography was not my first oh. things I did. Okay. I have a very, like, different backgrounds. Really? Um, I... Like when I was young, I was into art until high school. And then I was also good with math. So I studied industrial engineering. Whoa. Okay. And then at that time, it was a new field. Like my country didn't know what does that mean. And they thought only factory, which is not. Keep it short. I found there was like a Kuwait Investment Authority do one year prog- like program where they teach you investment and give you um, internships. Like, okay, let's apply. And apparently it's kind of competitive yeah. and I've been selected. I was like, okay, why not? And I'm kind of personality that I go from, like, from the beginning till the end and I'm very curious. Like if something I don't know, I love the learning curve. So I did investment for a year and then I went to Frankfurt for three months for oh, internships. Cool. Like one of the biggest banks there. I was like 21 at that time. Um, but then, and then I worked in investment for a long time. But after two years of working there, I knew that I don't want to work there. That's boring. I was never political correct. I never dressed up for the meeting. I will wear denim. I will not sit perfectly. I will be bored in the meeting. <laughs> and I learned how to space out, come back, and no one knows and ask some question. Um, and then I had like my share with kind of depression. Mm. Um, I remember, I think it was 2006, where um, my love supposed to be perfect, but uh, I couldn't wake up from my bed. Whoa. And I stayed in my bed, I think, two weeks. I didn't want to take a shower, just like whatever, close the light and watch TV. Related to work or? Uh, I was not happy with my life mm. in general. And I, 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 I was never fitting the 
the culture, I understand it. I respect some of it, but... Kuwaiti culture? Kuwaiti culture, Arab culture in general. And uh, I felt like I needed to look and do what they expect me, like my family and my society. So I felt like I was acting. By that time, I didn't know that I was acting. I was trying to like check all the things that a woman supposed to do. You know, you have freedom, but you have this, but I felt like always there is kind of um, rules and I don't like rules. I like to break rules, like rules just for someone who's afraid of trying to live the life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, before New York and then I had my breaking points and then I tried to figure out my, what I want. It was tough period. I lost my dad. Uh, it was very sudden. Uh, and there's no, like, he was just crossing the street and someone uh, passed a red light. Oh my God. So that's also a new experience of like grief and what to do with this pain. No one teach you how to deal with it. Um, and with the pain, the photography came to me and it was kind of my voice. Uh, I never did photography. Like I took photos, but I never did like, okay, I'm doing photography. So it was like this kind of have like point and shoot. I just take the camera, go to the water, go to whatever, and just taking pictures. These pictures made, um, was like my voice. Mm. So I figure out a voice or like tool to express myself with and I played for, for it for a while. And then, um, and then I get excited about photography, bought some light. I did a lot of like commercial, fashion, family portraits, uh, editorial. Like, so my work was more on that things before I moved here. And then at a certain time, I didn't like my work and I started taking workshops outside Kuwait. So I went to London. I came here twice before I moved here. So I took a couple of workshops wow. and kind of reshaped my life in a way. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So I'm going to kind of, with your work, work my way backwards through your work, through like mm -hmm. the notes that I've taken. Mm -hmm. uh, because obviously probably your biggest project and the one that's most recent and the one that's gotten you like the most notoriety is the Women of Kuwait project. Mm -hmm. So before we even get into that, uh, you mentioned something about sort of expectations for uh, women in Kuwait. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, like living here in the States, I'm quite familiar with like the history of our like gender roles and expectations here. And when I travel, it's something, well, it's one of many things that I, I try to learn as I immerse myself in like the places that I go. And one of the places I spent the most amount of time this past, you know, six months that I was away was Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And there are some like really strict gender roles there. Uh, I'm far less familiar with Kuwait. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to ask this as a preference, preface to a future question. But through your experience of growing up and living in Kuwait, um, what do you see as sort of like the gender expectations uh, culturally and societally for women? Well, I mean, women in Kuwait, they have a lot of freedom. I need to say that. Like education, 
they're running the show in the home, but then there's always this kind of dynamic that's like kind of unspoken dynamic. Like being a woman, when I go back home, I have curfew. So it's like at a certain time I should be at home, which doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the way how women are supposed to carry themselves, not to be very vulgar, not to show a lot of skin. If you're not, if you are not like covered, that's fine, but be a bit modest. Don't show a lot of cleavage. Um, the voice and the behavior. You, I felt like there's like. We are watched in a way because, you know, if you want to get married, you need to take a lot of checks. Mm. And that's not fair because the man can do anything. And like the, the, the checkbox for, for especially for the marriage is not equal. I see. Yeah. And then like, is there a pretty strong expectation that you'll have children and things like that? Like, uh, I mean... Not, I mean, not really. Now families are all downsized. Like oh, wow. the, the the size of families will be like three, four max. That's a lot, if not one or two. Okay. So the new generation, the new generation, they want to travel. They want to, you know, like there is a shift on the family structure, uh, and also because of the lifestyle. Mm. Uh, it. It's not like before where, you know, the women will like have just, you know, not working women, they do work. There's a lot of social, I mean, activity, like social um, commitment is huge there. Like your your time, like maybe one third of your time goes between receptions, between uh, funerals, between, oh. yeah, dinner. So, so to, to find time, is like there's no there's no time and cost of living is high. Oh, so okay. still like you know, they're like families turn to be more modern now in a smaller size. Okay. All right. So this project is really cool. Um, tell me if I'm describing this correctly, but mm-hmm. essentially you are or you did uh, take photographs of women in their bedrooms in Kuwait. In Kuwait, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. Going back to the reason why I asked you that question was because um, each photograph comes with a quote mm-hmm. from each woman. And it was really interesting for me to see how there were sort of, if you can like have like a general consensus of what most people were saying, there were like sort of two tracks. One of them was very similar to what you just said. Like, mm-hmm. yes, like in in work and education, women are equal, but then like, socially and culturally like we're not entirely equal and then there were some women who were more along the lines of like no things are not equal here uh, mm-hmm. why did you choose to include that question or, or that topic for the quotes in there well you know when I did this project I have two agenda for it uh, I, w- I wanted to create um, a visual reference for what does it be to be a modern Arab Muslim woman mm-hmm. And the project, uh, uh, I developed it after I, I moved here and I have these questions which is similar to the stereotype and the confusion of the Middle East for the Western people. So I was like, okay, let me do something about it. Um, and that's the portrait. But while I was there, I was also interested to 
to see how women evaluate themselves. I'm a very, I'm a person who will, uh, I think a lot, I reflect a lot, I analyze a lot, and I always felt that I never fit there, but I know how to be like them. And I wanted to understand how do they think. So after the shoot, I asked them two, three simple questions. If they think, how, how can they describe the Kuwaiti woman in one word? And if men and women are equal and why? And um, from that, I... I have these texts with these images. Um, and I realized that it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you will never have a full, like, equality. Because, like, there's, like, yes, equal. Yes or no. No, they're not. You know, it's... You, you, and I think the part that they're talking about was in the social, like, norms and... Legally, we're still dealing with these two. Okay. Yeah. Now, I would imagine that uh, to to photograph someone and to have them sort of like, um, oh, I'll say it like this. I would imagine that you really have to develop some trust in a situation like this in order to accurately represent people, in order for, you know, women to allow you even into like a private area of their lives or, you know, into their bedrooms. Um how did you go about like developing that that trust with your subjects? Uh, I usually talk to them, um, and I am very raw. So when I go, I just share things about myself and explain for them also why I'm doing this. Mm. At the beginning of the project, 2015, no one allowed me to go to their bedrooms. Nobody. No, it will be yes. I will say it's like no makeup um, because mm. I told you before that I am. My work was like more glamour editorial, so there were ex the expectation was like a kind of glamour shoot. And yeah, then, so you have like a lot of like really cool fashion stuff that you've done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, no, this is not a glamour. Um, photography in Kuwait and art in general is like very emerging and young, and you know. You need to educate your audience too about, you know, what, why is this? This was like, I need to, was like, no, but this is more like into documentary style, it's supposed to be vulnerable. I don't want masks, I don't want makeup, I don't want you to dress up. And I want to do it in your bedroom. It's like, no, living room. I said, no, bedrooms. It's like, no, living room. It's like, no, I'm not compromising. It's fine. You're not my subject. It's like, no, but I want to be. I was like, yes, then we need the bedroom. And I had people who suggested different projects because the way how I reached to, to my subject is through social media. Okay. And through like text, like WhatsApp messages uh -huh. and things and ask my friends to share things. And my friends will share back what their friends said and it was sometimes suggestions. If you want to do something about women of Kuwait, you should do it in their offices. Mm. I was like, okay, that's a different project. Tell your friend to do it. Um, and yeah, and I was like, there was like this kind of fear that first bedrooms uh, is uh, connected to uh, sexuality. Right. 
And I was so frustrated. I was there for maybe 10 days only. I was like, okay, maybe I am, you know, I don't have anything. So like I asked my sister and two of my friends to be photographed. And, you know, they trust me. They think I'm crazy. It's like, okay, whatever, do it. And then when I had these images and I post about them in 2016 before my visit, people start to relate to it. It's like, okay. Um, there was like a lack between what I'm trying to explain and their expectation. Mm -hmm. Once I had the visual reference, it was something easier for them to, um, to be in. Um, and I feel like with, like with time, with social media, with being okay of sharing a lot of images, people, the way how people think about privacy is different. And that's also helped me with time. Um, I had some issues because like at the beginning, I wanted to photograph all type of women. Like, you know, you have project, you have an idea in your head. But then at the end, things doesn't work the way how you want, especially when you're portraying someone else beside you. You know, if, if you are a very conservative person, uh, you are modest and you, you mm -hmm. like her privacy and we need to respect that. Uh, when, are, when you're married, then you have a partner with you and you need like that both of you agree of sharing the photos to the world. So, so that kind of things that was there. Uh, and that's why I feel like more single or divorced or single mom were there than married, but there was like equally, like there is equal amount of the yeah married one. It's interesting. I saw like I have a quote here um, from an interview that you did in Ink and Oil magazine, mm -hmm. and you were saying how like a lot of people wanted to yeah like apply makeup and wear like just like you're saying uh, like expensive clothes and things like that because they want to you know portray themselves well. And I understand that. I also sort of understand that point um, that like well why don't you photograph like women CEOs in an offices because that shows you know success and, and even power and things like that. But to the point of your project. I honestly think it was what you were trying to do is quite successful because I think that, you know, for a lot of people, they would equate. So if we were saying Arab, right, they would equate Arab with Islam. Like if you're Arab, you must be Islamic, right? Um, and then they think, well, if you're Muslim, then you must look a certain way and you must always wear hijab and, and whatever it is. Um, but if you didn't tell someone where the subjects of your photos were from, and they went through the photos, I guarantee you there's probably not a person in the world who would look at every single person and be like, oh yeah, every, every woman here is a Kuwaiti woman. Um, and that's something that, that I thought was, was really interesting and cool in that in this, in this small way, uh, whether you intended to or not, like you're sort of like smashing stereotypes with, with these pictures. Oh yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's my twist on that. And uh, I remember when I had the sh my solo show, all the feedback I, I was getting, it was like, oh, these are in Brooklyn. It's like, no, that's, yeah. this is Ikea. It's like, uh, yes, uh, it's Ikea. Um, and they were confused. It's like, you live, like your rooms are modern. It's like, um, yeah, we live in houses. <laughs> I mean, you know, this kind of stereotype that the media, especially like Taliban and Afghanistan in, in Saudi is like this kind of photos that been feeding the media with with certain type like extremist mm -hmm. that fed into that and also 
you know, you need to be interested in, in, in other places to know more about it. Um, and for the bedrooms, I wanted to push the limit. I wanted people to question things. I mm. mean, it, it wasn't easy for me to do the bedrooms because we live in big house in Kuwait. So like big house, like, I mean, usually like the fa- like your parents and you, sometimes uh, if you're married, you will stay with your family with like separate, like, you know, kind of like small apartment, a way of of the family to support their kids because rent is very high there. Mm. Uh, and if you are not married, male or female, you don't leave your par- your family house. It's socially unaccepted. Oh, wow, okay. Like, it's, it's not gender. It's like, if you're single, you stay there. If you live by yourself, you're either fighting with your family or this guy or this woman is like, uh, there's something, you know. Oh. Why she's there. Why he's alone. You're like the black sheep, huh? There's something uh, off about you. And there will be like a lot of pressure, like people talking, people mm. pick up the phone, your parents like, what's happening? I heard your daughter is, you know. So it's it's a lot about the also this society pressure. So as we live in a house, you know, it's you cannot have the freedom of, you know, moving around, bring friends to your room. Right. Uh, like we have two living rooms, one for the guests only. And there's a smaller room, like if you want to hang out with our friends. And then there is the family living room and dining room where everything's happening. But, you know, if I want to bring someone, I need to tell my mom. Because like, you know, she doesn't want to be aware. She doesn't want... People don't want people to see them in their pyjama or right. like wherever they're dressing at home. There's like, there's uh, etiquette code with everything. Oh, so if, if, wow. it's your co- if it's your cousin, they can come inside. And you're like, and maybe family, friends, they will go there. Um, but kind of, this is the way. There is a lot of barriers. So to go to these rooms, I need to open two doors to enter the third one. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I need to show it to everybody else. So there's a lot of layers on that. That's really interesting to me because until like we were just sitting here now, like I hadn't thought that in the photos, like the room is as much the subject as the subject itself, which is really cool. Because now I'm thinking like I was preparing for this at home um, and I was like looking at the photos with my girlfriend and I was like, I mentioned the thing like, wow, like just like I said to you, like you would never think that like some women are Kuwaiti women, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but like one of her first thoughts was like the rooms itself. And I was like, whoa, look at that one. That's a cool room. We're like, oh man, I'd like to have that room. And I never thought of that until now that like some people might look at it for the room itself. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and, and also like the element of the bedrooms when you share space with your family, Mm. the only room that, you know, has a piece of you is the bedrooms. If you're, if you're like, if you're married, if you have like a little kid, you'll see like, a, what they call it, the crib? Yeah, a crib. The crib there, uh, photos, books, color-wise, it's it's your sacred place. It's the place where like, okay, don't need to deal with anyone, go there, close their door, mm. that's it. It's kind of when you, yeah, when you live in with roommates and you don't like your roommates sort of thing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, You've put it out in in book format. Mm-hmm. Um, like the presentation itself is quite beautiful. What has been the reaction of people at home in Kuwait and like of the subjects themselves? Like how have 
Uh, how have people received it? So first for the book, uh, I add a different element to it. I collaborated with a writer, like mm. a poet, uh, performance poet, uh, Nada. And from the feedback I got from the exhibitions that I, I added that there that I want this book to be kind of killing stereotype kind of thing, yeah. you know? And I didn't want it to be only visual. I wanted also to have some sort of, you know, voice. And uh, so what I did is I start searching online. It was like, it was supposed to be one of, supposed to be my friend to write, but she had a full-time job and she's a mom. And it was like, okay, that will not mm. work. And I remember Neda, and then we have common friend. I Googled her. I heard two of her TED Talks. And I was like, okay, that's my woman. And I was just like, hey, would like to collaborate. And, and I told her, look, there's no money. I always tell everybody, book doesn't make money. It's only covering costs, especially if it's a photo book. And I told her, this is my project. I want to talk about identity, being a woman, and uh, culture. And I told her, you have the full freedom to write the way you like. But like we Skype for three, four times, put everything together, shaped the, uh, the, the concept. And then I con connect my woman to Nada. Uh, and what she... She did a beautiful way, like beautiful things in um, creating snapshots of these women in text. So it could be a memory, it could be a story about them, life, about depression, about losing a dad, about uh, changing career, helping community. Uh, a couple of women called me like, I had the best therapy session in my life. Mm. Almost half of them cried. And uh, some of them like, I never talked about my depression and now I put it in a book and I'm confident about it. Wow, that's awesome. So she also did a great job of, of putting the trust there uh, and developing the beautiful narratives that she wrote there. I also, I think the hardest part about the book also was the cover. Because I was like, I, it, I couldn't figure out how and what. And we tried with photos. But it's like, no, I, I need something more. I just don't want like, okay, photo book. This is one of the best photos there. And I tried to think about uh, the content of the book, how these are all bedrooms, photos, secret of or, or, or stories about these women. And I started to think about the journals. Like the, I, I used to have one with a lock and key. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, hey, I want to design, we want to do it this way. And she's like, Maha, this is too expensive. You need to think about the cost. And we tried to brainstorm more and more about it. And then I told her like how I want the project, the cover to be an object by itself. Ah. So if in a way that you can use it, you can keep it. And I want the book to be in a way that when you open it, you enter another world. So we had this kind of magnet. And then once you open, then the window is open and you have this kind of space that you open it and then close it all the way. And yeah, okay, cool. It's very private. 
Um, yeah, so for, for obviously people can't see this, but <laughs> m- quite similar to the way that you would like lock a notebook, it sort of snaps shut as if it were a journal. That's a really cool idea. And then the colors that I picked is the black and gold, whereas ah. we, there's something we, we call it thope, like Kuwaiti thope, where it's a sheer black and pattern embroidery in, in gold. The women will wear it in, like on top of their cloth for a party to dance. Ah. Uh, and then I figure out, okay, I need, cali- like, I want to do calligraphy. So I have this amazing, talented uh, artist, Jasmine Nasrallah, who I follow on Instagram. So I was like, hey, would you like to collaborate? I love your work. And then he said, like, okay, what's your project and time? So I told him it's a, a cover of my book. Deadline was yesterday, which is true. And he was like, sure, I will be down. <laughs> And yeah, he created this amazing calligraphy. It's like Women of Kuwait in Arabic. And that's how we sealed the deal. Going back for the how everybody perceive it, my publisher is uh, based in New York. So the book is still here. Like, So they can get it, but they need to buy it through Amazon okay. uh, or like Barn & Noble. But the problem is... If I want to put my book in Kuwait, I need to take a copy. Books are censored in Kuwait. Oh, okay. So I was trying to like try to, to put it there, but apparently that I need to do access step, step which I don't know how to do it. Uh, I, I need to find time to do that. Yeah. So it's still here, not there. Okay. In a way. So I know, you know, obviously like in terms of religion, uh, which is like you know permeates into culture and society in countries that are like follow, largely following a specific religion. So like there's you know I've been to countries that were primarily primarily Islamic and like there's the idea of haram. So it's like is that similar in Kuwait and like yeah the haram is is, is everywhere. Okay, if it's a Muslim country, but the thing is like we do have a modern law, but we have some censorship with books and movies. Mm. So uh, whatever you want to put there, they need to make sure the contents will be okay. So the, the nudity, sexual like sexual topics, like there's filters on that, and also political. So yeah, I, I don't think the book there's there is nothing in this book that might you know, in in my opinion, that will stop. Yeah, I wouldn't it's think just, so. It's just like a lot of steps you need to do. You need to give it to them. And they have like kind of committee, go through it, and then they give you their your feedback. And uh, being here is just kind of, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's not kind of like you send an email. You need to be there and present and just yeah. there. It's kind of paperwork. Okay. Yeah. I stopped, so uh, I've been flipping through the book. I stopped on a picture that had, I had seen online. Like, this is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't quite have a question, but maybe I'll just like sort of describe it to people. Like th- this is, so this is what I see. Um, like it, like in the foreground, right? So you're sort of like, you're kind of first person viewing this, right? So you're sort of the subject, but you're also, you're seeing the subject out of focus, like really up close to you. But to me, it sort of reminds me of like the old Western, like gunslinger, like it, because like you would see this, uh, even in like uh, they do this in like even like Star Wars. I know this is like a weird. <laughs> this is a weird thought, people. This person doesn't look like Star Wars, but no. yeah, it's a reference. I'm just right, I'm but just like with like so like it's like sort of like in movies, right? Like Rule of Thirds. So like 
the 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 foreground, which is out of focus, like she's taking up a third of it, and she it's sort of that like gunslinger thing. I know it's not, <laughs> but then like and she could see herself in the mirror, but only sort of maybe like thighs up, knees up. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's almost like a like a floating apparition too, like in the in the in the background there kind of uh this is an amazing picture and i like this a lot there's also a lot of elements like the pray, prayer uh mat ah yeah her makeup and part of of her room and the door and the way how she's standing with her hand there in front of you but the and, way how she's standing is like more of uh empowered yeah she does yeah that is cool so to sort of get into your brain like when you're here with her taking this picture are you like you're thinking through all this are you like like is the prayer rug already there are you like well we should frame this here like how Um, are you well you need to think to know two things first um for this i used hazaflat okay i don't know what that means (laughs) camera okay and this camera is kind of you put it in your oh from the top yeah okay okay so that by itself it's a slow, uh, there's 12 frames only, and then you need to change the film. Yeah. And the camera doesn't cover my face. Oh, yeah, okay. So there's something between when you, f- when you photograph someone and you cover your face and they cannot see you, and between the camera is here, we are looking at each other. Yeah. So that's an, an another lem- element to it. It's not digital, no one can see the picture, so they need to trust me on that. So there's no, like, self-doubt. They need to just let it go. Oh, cool. And so I talked about that. And the second thing is I don't know how the rooms look like. Right. I go there and it's like, okay, let's see, kind of thing. And I need to navigate and try many things before I take a picture. So I will be like, can you stand here? That one was, like, I think the last the last pictures. I did a couple of... Uh, Shot, but then some of them told me that they don't want to show their bed per se, and she was one of them. Really? Yeah. So I, I will compromise with them. It's like if like quarter of your bed or just hinge of it, and that's okay. where I was like starting with. But then I looked around before she's leaving. I was like, oh, hold on. I like that. Like I didn't change any setting. I just told her where to stand, um, and. When I did that, I knew that this is the picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. Do you think that sort of like shyness about the bed is again like sort of like because of like the the link to sexuality? Uh, Or not sexuality, but like sex? I think it's just like privacy. It's like I don't want people to see my bed. Okay. The place that I sleep with every day and Mm. it's my safe haven. I don't want to, you know? Yeah. It's more privacy than anything else because they already let me get in. Right. Which is like kind of like where's your comfort zone? Okay. How much you want to keep space, sort of thing. Oh, that, make, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you had like national and international attention through Rolling Stone. Like Rolling Stone is a massive publication. Tell me about sort of like hearing that news. Like how did that come about? Did you know they were going to feature you? I mean, I knew. I mean, I have an amazing PR uh, team with Daylight, but like I. I was like, whatever. Like, she, like I talked to the PR person, uh, and she was like, "Yeah, we'll do this, but there's no guarantee. Someone li- need to like your work to put it there." And when she told me and she sent it to me, I think it took me three days to believe that I didn't <laughs> share the information spot. Yeah. No, I was just like, 
whatever. And then, okay. It's like, my it's happening. That's cool. And then it's like, it took me three days to process though. Yeah. <laughs> and then I started to share it with some of my friends. Like, that's awesome. Why are you not posting this? Like, I don't know. It's weird, but it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. But that's, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So... One of the things that, and this is sort of similar to how I found out about you, one of the things that I really like about, again, talking to people who do things that I don't do, that I wish I was good at, um, is that like they know a lot of other people who are doing cool things as well mm-hmm. and are inspired by people. And so to me, like when I have these conversations, people are also sort of like curators of information for me, and then like I can share that with people. Mm-hmm. So I went through like a lot of the stuff on your website and your interviews and, and all sorts of stuff, like your, your Instagram and stuff. Um, and so I came across some things and some people and I wanted to ask about one person. Mm-hmm. Again, apologies if I sound stupid saying names, but Latifa Al-Barak. Latifa Al-Barak, yeah. Okay. Um, so that, I then researched a bit on my own, but uh, why was she an inspiration for you? And like, so sort of like, why cover her and talk about her? I mean, Latifa Al-Barak was like one of these like phenomenal women I mean, I mean, and um, she is like a very well known in Kuwait and she's like, um, she's, uh, we are related. She's, she's cousin of my grandma. Oh, really? So growing up, I always see her coming. I mean, my grandma is beautiful, but like traditional, but she's, so she, she was from the first who become a teacher. Mm. Like a Kuwaiti teacher. At that time, I think at age 16 or something. So there was like, because the education shifted a lot. Before the IELTS, there mm. was no schools. Wow. So when people go, they go to to a person called Mutawa'a, is, is the woman who teach Quran. And okay. they learn through the Quran. And then they memorize the full Quran. And that's if your family are very open. A lot of women at that time. There was, you know, like, like even for the boys, I don't want to assume, but there is like the same. They go to the sheikh, they they like memor like memorize the Quran and through the Quran they understand. Like th- that's the base of their their the education. After the oil, everything changed. Uh, the government put a lot of money for education. Brought teacher from Lebanon, Palestine, uh, Egypt, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Syria and you know and there was like pushed for the education but a lot of, you know because of the changes mostly they will go like until elementary school and it's like it was forced like if you don't take your kids you know you'll be in trouble yeah but there's nothing beyond there that and what she did she did at that time you do two years what she said and then you become a teacher so she was a teacher, she's a mother of I think four or five kids. She's like well educated, well traveled, well spoken. She takes care of her health and her like her health, her like she sleeps at a certain time, she still go to parties at certain times, like that's it. I'm I'm leaving the wedding, thank you. She leave. And she's very elegant and uh, seeing her in like growing up, going to them in Dayid and the way how she carry herself, the way how she like, she gave me something different. Mm. Uh, 
and she didn't fall with the stereotype. Yeah. And she's still like amazing, like sitting with her, listening to her, like she, she, she always work on herself. Sounds like then she would be like quite an inspiration for like feminist movements within oh, Kuwait. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. She has, she has also an Instagram account. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, cool. So <laughs> <laughs> she shared mostly like her photos where her, like her, about her life. But yeah, she has an Instagram account. Okay, I'll, I'll link to that for, uh-huh. for people in the show notes. Um, okay, here's another person I wrote down. I don't, I apologize that I don't remember this one so much, but you had a, a feature in Harper's Bazaar, mm-hmm. which again, like, congrats, like you have some really major uh, publications here. Uh, but I wrote down, uh, and again, I'm sorry, but Asil Al-Yakub. Asil Yago, yeah. Um, can you tell me about this person? I mean, this is like, Asil is like more, I did, a, like, I was photographing her. So it's like one of the features in the, uh, so that one, I think you're referring to the uh, editorial I did for mother and daughter, like two generations. Okay. And uh, I worked with uh, Alex Arbery, Arbery. Opry, I think. Oh my God, I'm, I'm horrible with spelling the names. Same, don't worry. <laughs> and we brainstorm, I give him a couple of people and that was like Asil and her mother and there there was like also Latif al-Barak and her daughter, Abir. Uh, and the conversation was about different generation and uh. I did a shoot, in, like I was visiting home and I was I did shoot with both of them, yeah. And Azil is an artist. Her background is architect, and she did MFA. And her mother Maha is one of like the biggest, uh, like uh, famous uh, woman in investment. She 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 used to be like a CEO with biggest companies, and I think now she run her own company. I'm not sure about that. Okay. Sort of on that point, so uh, I'll also tell people that, uh, and we'll link to it obviously, but people should go to your website to see, like, again, like it it has everything that we're talking about. Um, but you had done a, a, a video too for uh, Yahoo Video, mm-hmm. right? American Beauty Yahoo Video. Like, you were part of, I think, a number of people who were featured. Yes. Uh, and something I was thinking about in that, and so I'll mention like Indonesia just for a second again, but I'm sure people are like, dude, stop talking about Indonesia. So then I'll also mention Taiwan. But, uh, because very different cultures. Um, but one thing that you see is like an, like older traditional values. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm all over the place here, but now I'm thinking about like, yeah, this is quite similar to the U.S. as well. Uh, but like older traditional values and then like a younger generation of people who like through the internet are grappling with how do I like maintain my Indonesian culture and heritage and like respect my family and my grandparents and traditional ideas here that like we still like love and respect while also like becoming like more, even if it's just fashionable or progressive or doing something quite modern that's different from that traditional stuff and and sort of maybe like change the things that need to be fixed while still like paying respect to my family and parents. Um, and that's something that I sort of got from this video, that sort of grappling with tradition and culture uh, 
while, you know, wanting like uh, modern, you know, ideologies or politics or again, fashion. Um, and I would think maybe, and you can conf confirm this or not, but like you mentioned sort of, uh, you know, oil changing things, mm -hmm. right? Uh, because obviously oil means money and then money means uh, opening up of markets and exposure to like uh, American and British media and stuff like that. Um, it, 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 is it fair to say that that's something that like sort of like, you know, youth and college age people in, in Kuwait experience, like, you know, appreciating like uh, older people uh, the, the culture of their parents and grandparents while like wanting something more modern? Uh, I mean, Kuwait by itself, it's a very interesting country to read about because the amount of the change that happened to Kuwait from before and after oil is phenomenal. Mm. Uh, Kuwait went from like small houses like uh, to modern two floors houses. Um, we had like an amazing royal family. The way how it happened is uh, Sheikh Abdullah was thinking, okay, we're having the money. I want to give the money to my people. Oh. How to do that? That's quite rare. <laughs> how to do that? And the way how he did it, I mean, in a different way. So pushing for education, scholarship for everybody. Like even at that time, there was, as I mentioned before, like the education was not solid. And then he thought about uh, the infrastructure of the country, uh, Kuwait were built by the best, like top architects in the world from Europe, from oh. Japan, from uh, South America. Um, and then what they did also that family lives in houses. So it's like, okay. And back then it would be the grandfather, his kids, their wives, they're all, and their grandkids all in the ha one house. So one of the things, like real estate is very expensive, that, okay, this house worth 10,000, the government will buy it with, I don't know, 100,000. Wow. So there's this instant money came to families. Yeah. And it's created a lot of shift, like sudden shift. Um, like if you Google Kuwait 60s and 70s, you will see them. They don't look like anything like Arab or Muslim. They're very like modern, <sighs> mini skirts, guys like working, like looking like, you know. And there's this uh, drive to change the country. So the country boomed a lot, like economy, like economy wise, education wise. Um, so that's it, uh, and so, so the so like my dad culture is like very exposed to the American. We had like because of his generation of traveled and saw the world and brought things to Kuwait. So we have a lot of American brands. We have the American culture there, like the mall, the theater, the, hmm. the franchise. Um, so the world was. Our world is open to, to the West long time ago. When you go in Kuwait, you don't need to speak Arabic. Uh, you sign in the street by language. Everybody speaks okay. English. Um, so there is these changes, but I feel like with social media, things are faster. And there's people, of course, there's always this kind of line. There's people who just very traditional, even young kids. So it's more of like, 
what do you, you know, what do you, how do you want to express yourself? Do you want to push all the way? And also depends on your families. Mm. So the structure there is also depends on what kind of family you have. Is it like conservative? Then you will be in box of, okay, he's conservative, but he doesn't look like and he doesn't speak like them and that's the kind of struggle or your family is like very open-minded and then you get like the kids is very religious and then yeah so it's okay. more about like family dynamic and yeah and that's how things are I, I see it like like the tension if there's a tension okay having culture is you know have a lot of you know uh, const- constraints on it but then there's a lot of support like in Kuwait, I'm, ta- I'm talking about my country, like if anything happened to you, you're not alone. You're never alone. There's huge uh, community support uh, in a good time, bad time. But then with the community support, there's also, you know, you're not alone. So you contribute also to the society in that way. Okay. Um, there's a, a past exhibit or a past project that I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote down here April 2018, maybe, mm-hmm. but the project was disclosed. And so I'm looking around like you have some of your photography. Undisclosed. Undisclosed. Yeah. And so that, so this right here this is, is the, Yeah. Okay. Because there, again, like when we were flipping through your stuff, I was like, whoa, this is wild. Um, because uh, in particular... There was a photo of a woman with like a full squid on her face. That's disclosed. Okay. Disclosed. Okay. Like, there, I have two series. That the first one is undisclosed. Okay. That's I did it 2013, and disclosed is I did it 2017. So okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so like I'm not sure if you like sort of discuss meaning and stuff like that. So if you don't want to, you don't have to. But because um, again, like I know a lot of times like it's sort of open to the interpretation of the person like consuming the art or viewing it Mm -hmm. but I was just really curious about this because it was a number of like sea creatures on women's faces and I was like what is she saying here Uh, so can you shed some light on that so so these are like self-portrait so that's me those are all you yeah whoa okay Uh and so undisclosed I did it 2013 it was talking about more of like not fitting, being different than my family. I mean... Is that also you? Yeah. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, being a free spirit, that's, I'm, I was very curious. I want to do things, but there's always, I feel like there is box. I mm-hmm. need to just go, I cannot go beyond that box. Um, and these photos, like very minimal, sculptures and it's more about having a representation of a woman or the feeling of being constrained um after two three years i was like trying to being here i started to be longing to my first language i've been longing for things that i didn't think about and it kind of like undisclosed was like I need to fly away and then disclose it's like I'm missing there. So there's mm. kind of complex with identity and representation. And I wanted to do something in response to the first series, which just was like black and white, uh, you know, 
like kind of headshots, uh, square headshots. And I was trying to think about my country and, you know, take off the aisle. The landscape in Kuwait is very flat. Okay. Uh, it's um, desert, like flat desert and water. Uh, and before the oil, the trace was like either you, you die for pearl, you're a trader. So it's, it's involved a lot with water and oh. fishing. Uh, or, so I took this kind of elements of the water, like creatures, and the, the background was like sandy mm-hmm. and... Uh, and it was not like um, fun to have these on my face. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> and trying to figure out how to do it, uh, and I wanted to be like, you know, I didn't want to have the struggle in my face. I, I wanted to be just like calm. You know, I'm here. Yeah, it's there, but you, you know, I'm fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, People can see those through your website as well? Yes. Okay, cool. To circle back to the, the project that we were talking about in the beginning, and again, like uh, I think it's probably fair to say that's gained you the most attention. Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, where do you go from here? Um, do, you, do you think now that like, people have expectations for you? or <laughs> Expectation? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, that's the struggle for any, any, any artist that what people expect from you. And um, I try not to think about it that way. I think, I think of my work is more about um, understanding the world, understanding myself. I have a lot of questions in my head. Um, I, I get paranoid and I stop myself of, of making the project just because of the expectation. Mm. So it's kind of like dialogue between me and myself. That's okay. Let's not think about people and just figure out what is these ideas mm. and let's do them and then share them with. I have like a group of people, like uh, um, photographers and people I trust uh, as opinions. So. They know, like, show them the work, see the feedback, and they start to introduce the work to a smaller group just for feedback. And then, yeah, I mean, I mean, I have work that's halfway finished, but I, I take time until I put anything outside. Okay. Yeah, it's just like, just to make sure I don't rush things and, you know, and, yeah, and the stress of, like, oh, is it good enough? Do you sort of like on on the day to day like think of ideas before we recording? You were mentioning oh, like sound and things like that. Like, are you sort of without like working and totally playing out like thinking of next steps? Maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I already have two things in my head. One, uh, as I told you, one about the female body and uh, trying to create a dialogue about that and the freedom of, of your body and 
it was challenging because I didn't want to show any nudity because mm. that's it will not be shown in the Middle East if right. there is nudity. And my target is women there. I wonder is question about that, about uh, so I needed to be very careful how to how not to upset people and make them think instead. Um, and this work is kind of a mix of portraits, like studio portraits. And I'm doing embroidery. Oh, wow. So I have like a meter by meter and a half uh, fabric with text okay. that I wrote. And I'm doing the embroidery for each, like, each word. And uh -huh. then I will be censoring myself. What do you mean? Uh, meaning that I will, I will write everything, and then I will censor the words that I think will be very. Oh, okay. So I want to take control over the censor, like I'm censoring myself. Oh, cool. But then you can read it without these words, but then still understand what I'm saying. I see. Because the images are are intense but silent. The text is 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 very like out there I would imagine again like I don't want to speak for you but I would imagine sort of like the censorship in Kuwait like would be bothersome to an artist of course because yeah. you I mean I respect the culture and everything but you cannot censor books or arts it's it's supposed to be free so it's the way how I think about my work how people will view it and, and who can see it. And if I want to talk to to the people in the Middle East, I want to talk to them that, you know, there's always this kind of complex in my head about who do I care and who's the audience and how to go through it. Mm. I mean, it's very easy to just put new pictures there, very mm. easy to upset people. But then is that the message that I want to communicate with people or not? If that's not the message, because then I need to figure out a way, because art is a way of, of, of delivering a message and expressing yourself. Um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. It's not fun, like, you know, dealing with bookstores telling me like, oh, yeah, yeah, did you go through this? Like, oh, my God, I, I cannot deal with this now, maybe later this year. Uh, or when you do an art piece and then you're like, uh-huh, who will see it, who will not, and how to deal with it. And it's okay to me to do it this way and no one see it. I feel like each each topic has different thing. Yeah, no, that's, I really appreciate that. Um, not to piss anybody off, and I don't know about all your interests, but like to me, like when when you only have safe art, you end up with like, you know, like, Jimmy Kimmel late night show or something where it's like, or like the show The Big Bang Theory or something which again like if people like it okay but like it's it's safe art it's stuff that's not going to ruffle any feathers there's not like a ton of meaning and message behind it there's not like a political message behind it it's like everyone can consume it and sort of like feel good but um, like yeah in ter uh, music fine arts television like the stuff that I really appreciate are like when, when, when people take chances and take risks and like sometimes put themselves out there, right? To, to be judged or um, 
to be criticized or whatever it is. So uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Um, all right, let's. I'm going to let you go, but before we do that, let's sort of um, anything that people should check out. If you want to promote anything, obviously I'll put stuff in the show notes. But let's use this time to let people know. I feel like people who are curious about the rest of the world or people who are curious about understanding what is modern women, uh, I feel like the book will be a good pace for everybody. Um, I'm really happy with the movement now, uh, like the feminist movement, uh, understanding standard of beauty, body type, uh, meaning of being different, and it's and embrace it instead of being confused. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll have a, also a, a panel discussion oh, on cool. May seven. Uh, so if, if uh, details not there yet, but we'll be with uh, three amazing women, Razan. Oh, cool. Nada Faris, who's like the writer, yeah. and Samahar Bayezid. So like four women from the Middle East will talk about the creative uh, practice and pushing boundaries. Oh, very cool. Yeah. That's in Manhattan? It would be Manhattan. Okay. Uh, I'm still like, when you when you came before, I was just like dealing with communication and everything. Okay. Yeah, I will, I, will, I will post about it within two days. I can give you the information too. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so for that stuff, obviously people can find that stuff on social media. I'll have information in the show notes as always. People can just click on that and get direct links. Everybody knows that. Uh, so yeah, so Maha. Thank you so much. This oh, is awesome. Thank you. Appreciate thank you, you so much for having me. Cool. Cheers. Cheers. That is a wrap on episode number 113 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Many, many thanks to my guest today, Maha Alasakar. Uh, thank you to all of you folks as well, to the Voyagers out there for tuning in. Uh, make sure you go to the show notes for this episode to find the Patreon and to find all of the links that... Um, will take you to the to the work and life of my guests of my guest for today. All right, I'm going to play us out here with a song as I do sometimes. Uh, this is with a Kuwaiti singer uh, to sort of stay on topic. Her name is Shams. I'll be honest, I had not heard of her until researching for this podcast. Uh, last time I think I had a Kuwaiti rapper, so now I've got a singer. You can find the name of this in the show notes, but the name of the song is Atok Espa. And again, the performer is Shams, if you like her. So you could go check her out. S-H-A-M-S. All right, man. Man, who am I talking to? (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. All right, everybody. Uh, Lots of cool stuff coming up over the next two weeks. So uh, you should expect to see a lot of stuff here in early May coming out on the podcast. Until next time, folks. Please take care of each other. Bye-bye.
الشايل كنت همه سهل نسيانا شربت ماي وانا الشايل كنت Thank you.